Why in the world would anyone want to kill Jesus of Nazareth? Jesus of Nazareth is just walking around healing sick people left and right. Jesus of Nazareth is, is, is right there helping lepers not be leprous anymore. And, and, I mean, is he not teaching from the scriptures and people are responding? Jesus just incessantly talks about love. Jesus talks about turning the other cheek. Jesus, why in the world would anyone want to kill Jesus of Nazareth? Well, today we learn the real reason that they wanted to kill him. It wasn't just the Sabbath. It wasn't just that he healed somebody on the Sabbath and, and that's breaking the law of Moses. And it wasn't just that he, quote, spoke against the temple. We saw that earlier in the Gospel of John. Tear down this temple and I will raise it up in three days. No, it, it was his claim to be the unique Son of God, and therefore to be equal with God the Father. That's why they wanted to kill him. And it is in this, in this claim of Jesus, in this discourse of Jesus explaining this to us, that we find the most unimaginable love that is available to you and me from the unique Son of the Father. And so let's Read John chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. This is the very word of God, the very words of Jesus of Nazareth. And this is why the Jews were persecuting Jesus. Because he was doing those things, healing, on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, verse 17, my father is working My father is working until now, and I am working. This was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, The Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. For the Father loves the Son and shows Him all He Himself is doing. And greater works than these will He show Him that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom He will. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent Him. Truly, Truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And I would like to look at this passage in terms of of three words 
about Jesus' relationship as the unique son of the Father and why these three words matter to me and you. And the three words are unity, love, and judgment. Unity, love, and judgment. The first is how Jesus describes the unity that exists between he and the Father. Um, the Jews did not object to the concept of God as Father, and admittedly, the description of God as Father in the Old Testament is, is not really prevalent, but it is there. And God is the Father of Israel. And God in Isaiah 43 even says that He loves them personally. So the idea of God the Father was not anything that they didn't believe, but it was just that Jesus claimed to have this special relationship with the Father and therefore was equal to the Father. You see, Jesus didn't say our Father. I mean, He taught us to pray that because we're not Jesus. That's what everybody says. Our Father. What did Jesus say? My Father. (laughs) There it is, folks. My Father. Verse 18, this was why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. There's a word for that. The word is blasphemy. It means to profane God. It means to bring God down. It was punishable by death. This is why they wanted to kill him. He is a blasphemer. We cannot allow him to keep wandering around and talking like this and profaning our God. But Jesus says it's actually deeper than equality. It's actually more. If you think equality's bad, let me just raise you ten. I'll see that and raise you ten. It is more than equality with God the Father. He says that he has a fundamental unity and a oneness with the Father. Did you catch how Jesus defended himself? When they said, you are a Sabbath breaker, you have healed on the Sabbath. In verse 16, the first verse of our passage today, this is what, why the Jews were persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. And Jesus answered, my father is working until now and I am working. Jesus saying this, he's, I saw my father working and, and so I was working on the Sabbath. I only do what I see my father doing. That's when they went nuts. My father, God working, breaking his own Sabbath? Is this guy crazy? But it's more than that. It's even worse if you're a Pharisee. Because this is the defining discourse in all of the Gospels about Jesus' unique relationship to the Father as the Son of God. It's even worse if you're a Pharisee. Basically, Jesus says, not only do I see what the Father is doing, and I do it, I can't do anything unless I see 
what the Father is doing. In other words, this isn't just seeing and doing. This is a continuous connection that Jesus can't be the unique Son and act as the unique Son without this closeness, without this relationship, without this continuing fellowship and, and, and all that this turns out to be. You know, Jesus is the second person of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And um, we read in, in Philippians that when, when Jesus was sent here, when Jesus came here, he, quote, emptied himself. He emptied himself. He, he set aside things in becoming one of us while remaining fully the second person of God. That's the great mystery, y'all. You know, the, one of the big questions in theology over the ages is, what what literally did it mean that he emptied himself? And so we know Jesus has subordinated himself to the Father to accomplish this mission of salvation that he's come into the world. But there is, in this relationship, we learn a little bit more about what the emptied out Jesus, who is still the second person of God, how this looks. There's this relationship with the Father, this continuous empowering unity with the Father. Verse 19, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but what he sees the Father doing, whatsoever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. You see, Jesus is not only the Son of God, Jesus shows us the Father by what he does. Sons typically want to be like their dads. I know I want to be like my dad. And, uh, and Jesus is just like that. Jesus wanted to be like his dad. And Jesus kept his Eyes spiritually, so to speak, fixed on his dad. And whatever his dad was doing, that's what he was doing. I, I was reminded, for those of you who are uh, uh, more my age, back in the late 60s there was a commercial, and I remembered this commercial. It was a commercial about uh, smoking and how smoking is not good. Uh, and so the commercial is, I looked it up this week and I watched it again, and sure enough, it was just the way I remembered it. I, I didn't remember all the details. But here's, here's what I saw as a child. Um, there's this picture, and there's like this little happy music in the background. It's just a dad and his son. And, and the dad, the first scene, the dad is up on a ladder painting the wall. And the son is stud. He's down on the ground. He's studying his dad. He's got a little toy paintbrush and he's painting the wall. Just like he said. I mean, even the hands are, are like in sync. And then it kind of cuts to another scene and, and, and the father's driving his convertible. So he's a cool dad, I guess. He's driving his convertible and you need to see the, guy, the dad driving. And then it, the, you know, it kind of opens up the picture and there's the son with his little toy dashboard uh, and his little uh, steering wheel, and he's looking at the dad, and he is driving the convertible just like his dad. And uh, then the next frame is the dad washing his car. And so same happy music, little happy family, and so he's washing his car. And then the pans to the sun, and he's got a squirt gun. And he is using the squirt gun, washing the, the wheels of the car. Um, 
And then once all the painting and the, the washing and all the housework that just the dad and the son are doing together on a Saturday, we suppose, beautiful, beautiful day, um, they're, they're sitting out under uh, a tree and they're kind of just, you know, um, kicking their feet up and cooling their heels a little bit. And, and uh, the dad takes a box of cigarettes out. He kind of throws a cigarette out of the box and he lights up the cigarette and he puts the box of cigarettes on the ground. And the boy grabs the box of cigarettes. And each frame, it said, like father, like son. Wash, like father, like... And then when the boy picks up the cigarettes, it's the end of the commercial. Like father, like son, it's a question mark. And then it says, you think about it. Well, let me tell you, Jesus is like that. I'm not saying Jesus smokes. He probably does. I don't know if he does or not. <laughs> He's really focused on the Father. And he can't even do anything because of this special relationship of the unique Son of God who's emptied himself. This is all for us that he has done this. And he has got his eyes. There is a oneness, a unity with the Father. John 10:30. I and the Father are one. So first, what we see in this little discourse is the unity of Christ, the unique Son, and the Father. The second is this idea of the love of the Father for the Son. This shows that this special relationship is extremely intimate uh, between them. And, and this is important, I think, because, you know, um, I, I think we tend to begin to think about, you know, God sending the Son on a mission, right? He's on a mission, and, and Jesus says that he will fulfill all righteousness. And so kind of we get this idea that, man, the Son is on a mission, the Father sent him. So they're just like doing all righteousness. They're doing everything the Scriptures required, and there's a lot to do, and there's laser being focused on this. And yes, that's true, but there is such love between the Father and the Son. And... um and, and what's interesting is, is that the, the Son of God is talking to us about the, the love of the Father for Him and showing us how loving God the Father is. Like, we know Jesus is loving, but we wonder sometimes if God the Father is loving. Verse 20, for the Father loves the Son. Remember, He sees and does. Why? Because the it says, because, for, because the Father loves the Son, verse 20, He shows Him all that He Himself is doing. This is all out of a love and intimate relationship between them. And greater works than these, than this healing, will He show Him so that you may marvel. You think this is something you haven't seen anything yet. The verb here is a continuous thing. That the, that the Father is continuing to. The Father is always loving the Son. And the love is flowing in this relationship. And, and it is so wonderful um, that, that the love that the Father has for the Son, we learn in John's Gospel, is the very same love that the Father has for us as well. Um, John 15, that Jesus has and the Father has. John 15, 9 says this, as the Father has loved me. Does the Father love the Son? Yes. 
and the Holy Spirit. I mean, amazing, indescribable depth of love, continuous, eternal, glorious, beautiful. Just as the Father has loved me, Jesus said in John 15, so I have loved you. Jesus talks about how he's in the Father and how we're in him, so we're in the Father. And so it's important that Jesus is in this relationship and he sees what the Father is doing. Therefore, he does it to accomplish what God wants to accomplish through this. But it's important to see that this is love and he is showing us the love of the Father. So first is the unity. Remember the three words, unity. The second is love. But the third is judgment. Verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead, Jews have no problem with this. And by Jews, we mean the Pharisees and the teachers of the law at this point. Verse 21. For as the Father raises the dead and gives life, gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he wants to give it, to whom he will. For the Father, listen to this, judges no one. Let that sink in for a second. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Remember, he's saying this to people who want to kill him. Can you imagine how what Jesus is saying here is driving them crazy? Because this just isn't him saying, my Father. And not just him saying we're intimate, and 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 there's and what I'm doing is is because the Father is doing it. He's saying, "quote Just as my Father gives life to people, I give life to people." And by the way, Pharisees, God's delegated all judgment to me. Your judgment, in fact, to me. So you need to honor me just like you honor the Father. Got it? Now, it's it's so interesting uh, how controversial Jesus Christ still is today. You just can't make Jesus be something other than he is. Oh, you can have your own Jesus I didn't say you couldn't have your own Jesus, quote. I said you can't make him be something, literally be, existentially be something other than he is. Jesus Christ strides onto history and says, these are my claims. This is who I am. Deal with it. I love you. Deal with it. But you know what? There's a lot of controversy in the totality of the claims of Christ, particularly in a culture that we have today where people are really scared of the idea of judgment. Even judgment toward one another of making judging, you know, like making decisions, like saying something's good or bad. It's like we're not supposed to have that element 
in life anymore. And so, man, you know, that's why we have the Jesus, oh, I love Jesus. I just don't love his people. You know, you hear all that stuff, the bumper sticker. Jesus, oh, yeah, Jesus is great. Jesus is a phenomenal teacher. Like, he's better than Gandhi. Okay, I mean, people feel this way about Jesus. Jesus, oh, man, yeah, Jesus is one of the prophets and probably my favorite prophet. Oh man, nobody ta- nobody teaches us about what real love is like Jesus. I remember listening to a a lecture at a local college not to be named called Jesus from a Hindu perspective. Cuz I was going to India. I saw it in the paper. I'm like, I'm going to go see what that's about. And it was all about this. I'm a Hindu. I believe in six million gods, but I really, really like Jesus. Jesus actually probably values people more than my tradition. Jesus has taught me a lot about love. I dig Jesus. You know, I think a lot of people dig Jesus. But it's their Jesus. Oh, man, yeah, I love Jesus. We live in a world full of oppression. Jesus seeks social justice. Don't you see Jesus loves the poor? Don't you see he says he came for the poor? Don't you see that Jesus sees things and he's so great? But people still will not accept Jesus who claims to be the one and only way to salvation. That's his claims. People still do not want to accept that part of Jesus, if you will, where he claims to be the sole judge over every human being at the end of days. Jesus is either all he claimed to be Or he's crazy. He's a blasphemer. But I tell you what you can't do is change Jesus. You need to read and I need, we need to read the gospels to seek from the revelation of God to us who Jesus is. We need to adjust our lives, our thoughts to who Jesus actually is. You see, here's the problem is that you cannot be consistent and pick and choose your Jesus. And here's the other problem. It's not safe to pick and choose your Jesus. From a different perspective, you and I can look at this, and we could say something like this. Praise the Lord that all judgment has been given to Jesus. And I kind of want to go there for a minute. Thank you, God, that Jesus gives life and wants to give life. You see, we, many of us, have read the rest of the story, as they say, and we find that that Jesus, unlike other so-called deities, is not just kind of waiting and seeing how religious we can be, waiting and seeing how, how, how steep and worthy are our ramps, spiritual ramps up 
to, to His loftiness. Jesus just waiting to see whether we will meet or not in the judgment. You know, He'll just give us, try to be, love people, try to do this, you do this, you do that, and I'm just going to wait and see. Sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice for me. We'll just, we'll put it in the big calculator at the end and we'll just see. You know, they, they call it the scales. Why don't we update that to the calculator? Wouldn't it be horrible if you approached the throne of grace and, and the button was pushed and all the numbers of all the good things and the bad things you've ever done, all the calculator, all the computer is going and then it goes, aren't you glad? That nobody but Jesus is the judge. Are you glad that the one who literally was sent from the Father, who emptied himself, took on your humanity, took on our sin, and was nailed to a cross because of us? Nothing but his blood, nothing but death could give us new life. And he rose and he gives life to all who come to Him because the sin problem is eradicated by the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Isn't it amazing when you look up to find your judge one day and it's your Savior who loves you. Think about what this is saying. You look up to find your judge and it's your, it's your savior. I mean, this is why the Father sent the Son. This is why the Son came and, and did what He did. This is why the Holy Spirit opens our hearts and applies this good news, this gospel to us, opens our hearts so that we can believe. Look, in short form, all of that is in this text. All of that is in this unique relationship between the Son and the Father and what the Father is doing and the love of the Father and the love of the Father to us through the Son whom He has sent. And I am so glad Jesus, the one who died for me, is my judge. What about you? And the last thing it says is this. It says that you can know now, right now, that you have passed from death to life. And you can know right now that you have passed out from under judgment. This is verse 24. Anytime Jesus says, truly, truly, or King James, verily, verily, tune in. Tune in to everything Jesus says, but he's really saying, this is big. Truly, truly, verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment. He has passed from death to life. Isn't that wonderful? I remember in seminary, Dr. Douglas Kelly, he was one of my favorite Professors. He was the professor of systematic theology way back when the earth was crust was cooling when I went to seminary. And, um, you know, Dr. Kelly would would be teaching and, you know, you get the notes and he was like really a note grinder through her. You know, you kind of had the notes and he'd grind through the notes. And then he would do one of these little asides and he kind of go to preaching a little bit off the notes like this is why we're in Dr. Kelly's class. 
And he, and so I'll never forget it. He goes into one of these little asides, and uh, about um, our impressions in our minds and our hearts of what God the Father might be like. And he said something that was true. He said, you know, I think people, like, they, they think about meeting God one day. They're like, what is God the Father going to be like? And there's a, there's a little latent apprehension, a little latent fear, because we don't have a concrete image. We don't have a concrete, and we're not supposed to, by the way, um, uh, uh, to understand the Father. And um, and when we behold God the Father, will He feel, and this, these are the words Dr. Kelly used, will He feel alien to us? Like such a different, you know, like, what is that? You know, will He feel alien to us and altogether different than we thought He would be? What will He be like? And Dr. Kelly, in his South Carolina accent, and I will do my best to imitate Dr. Kelly because I was quite good at it in school, and he... And he busted me for doing it one time. I may just send him a copy of this just to say, I no longer have to depend on a grade for you so I can do this anytime I want to. What will God the Father be like? And, and, and it's like he said in his little South Carolina accent, he said, we need to look forward to beholding God because we already know what he's like. Because he's like Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And the Father will love you when you see him. Like Jesus, who loved you enough to die for you. I will never forget that paragraph as long as I live. When you look up and see the judge and you realize that's your Savior, that's a wonderful thing. But you know, if Jesus is not the Son of God, this unique Son of God, the Pharisees are right. Don't get all upset at the Pharisees. They're supposed to be calling out blasphemy. If if He's not that, they are correct. And we need to stop all this grace nonsense immediately. And we need to let God the Father be something roughly equivalent to Allah. The unknowable, the unreachable, the untouchable. Thank you, God, that you are Yahweh. And Jesus is your Son. You see, there's more at stake here than just whether Jesus is the unique Son of God. There's more at stake here than just whether Jesus is divine. It is whether you can know God like Jesus said we can know God. It is whether you can be loved unconditionally by God the way Jesus said we are loved unconditionally by God. Through Christ. I mean, this idea of this kind of relationship between God, the holy, and sinners, 
is so incredible that this relationship fundamentally is blasphemous. If Jesus is not the unique Son of God, and if Jesus is the unique Son of God, it is the wildest grace you've ever imagined in your life. It is an orphan's wildest dream come true. Thanks be to God. In no other religion does God sacrifice for us. You always sacrifice to Him. In no other religion is the primary obedience, the obedience of the Son of God to the Father in a perfect life and in death for us. It's always your obedience and whether you meet in that big computer moment at the end of days. God seeks out sinners who don't deserve His love? Yes! God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And we do nothing but receive what God has done for us called grace, called sheer grace, called gift, plus nothing. It's incredible. And we get to have Him and His love forever. It's amazing. Utter blasphemy without Jesus. Blessed blasphemy. But it's not blasphemy. The Jesus we need is the unique Son of God, the Savior, the Judge, who loves us and died for us. Let's pray together. Lord, we'll never get over it. We can't climb to you. We are fundamentally selfish. We are fundamentally us-centered. On our best day, sometimes even the good things we do are because we want to be seen with them. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to Christ, because through Him we gain the victory Through Him we gain access. If you've never put your trust in the Son of God, you've you've been trying it on your own, and you want to give up all that trying, and you want to just receive grace, you want to have God give you everything and then spend the rest of your life just living into that everything, you want to love God because He loves you, not because He might love you if you're good enough. If that's you and you see this, you pray with me. Lord, I see it. I am so happy to see this. I turn from everything that I've called religion. I turn from everything that I've called Jesus, everything that I've called Christianity, and I put my trust, Jesus, 
in what you have done for me on the cross and giving me life in the empty tomb. Thank you that even now I'm forgiven. Even now you've come into my life. Oh, Lord, I pray that you would lead me in this love. I pray that not only would I dwell in grace, but you would make me a gracious person who could reveal you to others just as Jesus reveals the Father to me. Lord, there are many of us who have walked with you and we have forgotten just how radically amazing this relationship that we are not supposed to have really is. We have forgotten the quality of sheer gift of grace and we are not thankful We are not answering that love with a a gratitude love. We are not worshiping out of that place of, of amazement. Lord, would you reinstate the unique Son of God as our Savior and our Judge? Thank you that as we have put our trust in you, we have moved out from under judgment. Because you've already judged Jesus in our place and you've already punished him for our sins in our place but thank you that we have also moved from death to life would you give us life in this grace in which we stand in jesus name we pray amen let's stand and let's sing this is my father's world This is my Father's world, and to my listening ears, all nature sings around me rings the music of the spheres. This is my Father's world.
blessing and now grace mercy mercy and peace from God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit rest upon you and dwell within you all both now and forevermore amen God bless you enjoy the Lord's day